politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American taxpayers and fed up patriots to the one and only Conservative Review podcast here on this Friday. And yes, by the time we get up to Friday, we are all fed up because that means we've already had four solid work days of uh, unvarnished truth telling here. And boy, this really has been a packed week. We have a lot of good content at Conservative Review. Um, Really powerful piece coming out today on judicial supremacy and this obnoxious notion that courts are the final say over our society. I think I have a unique way of expressing it. Um, we, We started this conversation yesterday, but I'm not sure if I'm going to get to it. So I just wanted to flag that for today. Uh, but we're, we're going to kind of do a free for all Friday, tie up some loose ends, but mainly surrounding the thesis that we've developed for so long that when you go in and bring in the world to your country, you bring in the world's problems. You see, America is not a perfect place to live. We have our own vices, our own challenges, societal, economic moral challenges in this country. But on net, even now, and certainly before our country was transformed, we all believe it is to be preferred. As Congressman Theodore Sedgwick said in 1790 during the naturalization debate over immigration. And they understood a very paradoxical point with immigration. Well, if we believe that the rest of the world stinks and we're doing it right, So when you have immigration, you got to be very careful that you don't bring in the rest of the world, that it's done through a circumspect, judicious process that strains and weaves or or, um, weeds out those who are going to be a problem, identifies those who will love our values, be net contributors to our society. And obviously done at the right pace and with the right numbers from the right places. It's that obvious. It's an ancient principle since our founding. We always understood that until this generation. I found out yesterday that my article, and we'll put it up here on the screen, five ways Trump could combat the cartels right now, where we really frame the battle with the cartels is not some sort of humanitarian mission where we'll offer help to AMLO, President AMLO in Mexico, to deal with his interior. And then he's rejecting it anyway. No. We are going to seize our own destiny and secure our own border and deal with our own illegal immigration, drug cartel problems within our own interior. That was the theme of that article. And I found out Um, A very high-ranking administration official, very high-ranking official, called me yesterday and said that that article really hit the spot. It made its rounds. And and I just say this because I want to encourage you guys. This is a group effort. I can't do this without you. So many of you email me every day stories that are important that we've built a lot of publicity off of. And I'm just one person bogged down on a few issues. So there's going to be a lot of things on a given day I miss. And I I really need this to be a group effort. So email me at dharwitz at blazemedia.com and send me this because there are so many stories that demonstrate how the cartels and drugs and crime 
and gangs are all linked to illegal immigration at the border, meaning the lack of treating the border as a military securing a perimeter mission, as well as sanctuaries and the lack of interior enforcement, which allows their networks to operate in perpetuity undetected. So the problem is it takes stories to drive narratives. The left does that very well. And so many of these stories are missed because they're reported, if at all, as domestic crime. So what we've tried to do here is to pull the wool over or off everyone's eyes that's pulled over their eyes by the media and actually reveal what's going on. So the article yesterday really hit the spot. And I want to delve into the cartels and other stuff in the coming days, because I think we are closer than ever to reaching critical mass to finally reorienting the way government looks at the cartels. Because if you reorient the way they look at the cartels, you change the way they look at the entire border slash immigration issue. Remember, cultural, fiscal, um, criminal, terrorist, drugs, all those problems, if you don't bring them into your country, you're going to have much less of it. Some of it is always going to be inherent. We're always going to have some degree of crime, some degree of gangs, some degree of, of drug trafficking. But a lot of these things are primarily external in nature. So one of the things I found interesting, I was speaking to a friend of mine in Senator Tom Cotton's office. We were talking last night, and he was lamenting how just in this era of social media where everything is built around, are you for Trump, against Trump, or just sensationalism, there is no impetus to act. So you could have tragic things that completely reveal the terrible nature of certain liberal policies. And Republicans will not act on them. They'll be out of the news, if they're in the news at all, within a day or two and gone. And there's no impetus to act. And we're talking about how the beginning of our careers, you know, if stuff like this would have happened, there would have been an impetus to act. So, for example, one of the things he mentioned was um, this guy, Joel Francisco, this guy who was let out of prison as a result of the stupid First Step Act in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. And he was a Latin Kings member. He was suspected for attempted murder. He was convicted on the three strikes and your outlaw. And he was let go and he violated his parole several times. He was caught with a knife breaking into an ex-girlfriend's home and he wasn't sent back to prison. And then he went out and allegedly murdered someone, stabbing them to death uh, last month. Nobody in Congress or the media or the public even knows about this. In the past, he was saying that would have been an impetus for repealing the First Step Act and adding extra protections. But now it doesn't happen because we have a movement focused on vanity. And sometimes it's better they're focused on vanity because if they're not, they're downright, if they're focused on substance, it's substance of Soros. Soros substance. The GOP's Soros substance. Yesterday, the schmucks at the American Conservative Union. This is the organization that puts on the annual conference of record for conservative CPAC. They had this entire conference on jailbreak. 
Oh, we need to forgive the power of forgiveness. It was all about the criminals. What could we do with the criminals? It wasn't like, okay, 50% we can go leaning on the criminals, but then look, there's some serious criminal issues that aren't being taken care of. We're going to work. No, 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 no. 100% pro-criminal. If you would watch that con conference, there, there's no hyperbole here. I'm just telling you. The tenor, the, the underpinnings, the ideological under underpinnings of that conference were indistinguishable from a conference put on by Soros organizations. I wouldn't be surprised if that subset of the ACU is getting funding by these type of organizations to, to push this. That's what we have as a conservative mo movement in this country. But the other thing he mentioned to me that I thought interesting was, you know, so some of us felt we were gaining traction. I think we are with the cartels, this m brutal murder of this American Mormon family in uh, Sonora really really has set off i think the 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 most important focus we've ever had in media and politics on the cartels it's not nearly enough but it's there and he was just lamenting that again normally this would have been an impetus to act but it's going to blow over and ironically the only thing that's keeping it alive is media sensation so if you saw the ap put out a headline um we'll show we'll put up here on the on the screen so you could see on twitter where they were basically somehow insinuating, I don't even understand it, how it's like almost like, yeah, the, the Mormons deserve to get killed by the cartels because they engaged in polygamy 150 years ago. And obviously it's repugnant what they said, but I'm just saying that's the only thing that have got that has gotten conservatives activated because, you know, it's a media meme. It's a media narrative. So we get to attack the media. But there's never any impetus to act on policy. This is what's driving me nuts. So there's, I think, an, uh, not, not to, to minimize the magnitude of, of wiping out a family like this and, and the tragedy of it, but from a policy standpoint, there is a murder that's even more important. So, you know, the cartels murdered an American family in Mexico. Well, I got news for you. The cartels murdered a sheriff's deputy two weeks ago in rural California on our soil. And I would venture to say there's a lot more of this going on that we don't know about. There's, there's a reason we're going to get to why we even know about this. I mentioned this a little bit before, but we haven't gone, to the, gone through this in depth. This is a story that demonstrates that the drug crisis, so much crime in this country, is all connected with the border, with sanctuaries, and with cartels. So on October 23rd, this property owner this guy ross called out um christopher ross called the police in somerset it's a small town in uh, el dorado california nice beautiful wine country rural area it's not like the slums of san francisco and la and he said oh there's thieves stealing from my legal marijuana growing site very interesting my legal marijuana growing site, because that's now legal in California. Let's we'll get to that in a minute. And but really, it was an illegal growing site manned by agents for the cartels. So it was the guy his the owner was Christopher Ross, but it was he was working for the cartels. Um, he had there with him Juan Carlos Vasquez, 
Ramiro Morales, who are illegal aliens, and Jorge Lamas, who somehow is a U.S. citizen, but he lived most of his life in Mexico. That, that's, again, fundamentally an external problem, if you know what I mean. So they were there, and um, it was a... I don't know exactly what Ross was, why Ross was doing this um, and what his intention was, but it wound up being an ambush. And when um, Officer uh, Brian Ishmael came out, he was shot in the chest and the foot, um, the chest above his vest by um, Carlos Vasquez, and he was killed. Now, it turns out that Two of them, Vasquez and Morales, including Vasquez was the guy who pulled the trigger, were illegal aliens. They were being contracted, I don't know which cartel, if it's Sinaloa or another one, with the cartels. And, and, and the guy who was a legal immigrant, supposedly, uh, Lamas was saying that he got paid $150 by supervisors in Mexico, a.k.a. the cartels, to be doing that. Now, we would have never known that this was a case of illegal aliens if not for El Dorado County Sheriff John D'Agostini. Because remember, this is rural California, and this is a guy that opposes the state sanctuary policies. He's a good guy. So he was pissed off, and he announced this to the public that he could. He suspected they were here illegally, but he couldn't confirm it because he couldn't get federal officials in because the state will go after him if he allows federal officials in the jail. So he couldn't even find that out. And basically, the memorial service, the funeral for the sh sheriff's deputy was this week, and um, the sheriff criticized Governor Gavin Newsom for not even showing up. But... The sheriff had a very powerful statement. He said, first, I want to make something clear. This is at a press conference yesterday with the U.S. attorney and the sheriff. He said, I want to make something clear, and I ask that you in the media please call this what this is. Don't soften it. This tragedy was due to an illegal alien tending an illegal marijuana garden who murdered my deputy. That's what it is. So... Before I get to the cartel legal immigration aspect and how this ties in, I just want to sidetrack a little bit, go on a little bit of a tangent here. All these libertarian hipsters, which seems to be cool among my colleagues here on the conservative side of you know political media, they're all into marijuana. They're all into all drugs, oh, drugs, legalized drugs. Drugs are awesome. And we were told that if you legalize marijuana, which we've essentially done, and especially in California, it really is, um, but, but we, we essentially don't enforce. I mean, you heard Andy Lelling, who's, a, who's the toughest guy on drugs you could find, U.S. Attorney from Massachusetts, he said, we, we don't go after them. I mean, we just don't. I mean, it's all the heavy-duty fentanyl and meth traffickers they go after. So the assumption was that would put the cartels out of business. You just legalize it. Well, thanks to the amalgamation of weak on crime, illegal immigration, at the, meaning a lack of a, a military mindset at the border, and then sanctuaries which harbor the networks, guess what? It turns out that now we face the worst of all worlds. It's worse than before. 
Because not only are the cartels not out of business, not only, well, first of all, their business is from all the other drugs. So like that, that's the problem. You can't half-ass it. If you, if you only legalize marijuana, but not the other drugs, so then they're making it all off the other drugs too. But even marijuana, they're now growing it on American soil. So it's not just, oh, we're funding their business, growing it in Mexico, bringing it here. Now they are bringing their growers and supervisors to guard armed sites, armed growing sites on our soil. This was a private source, but I've been told by law enforcement that this is happening in in national forests all over California, Arizona, and who knows where else, where they are annexing land, just like they do in Mexico. This problem is not in Mexico anymore. This is here on our soil. They were guarding a cartel growing site because it's now legal. Now, here's the important thing. The U.S. attorney made a very important uh, point here. McGregor Scott, the U.S. attorney from California, Northern California. And he said, here's the problem. When Ross, Ross was the uh, property owner, called into 911, he said he had a legal marijuana operation. Well, guess what? It wasn't a legal marijuana operation. So the fig leaf of legalization gives cover for those who operate the black market to do their business. So this notion that somehow you just legalize it and the cartels won't be involved. No, now the cartels have a front end. See, it used to be like, hey, you're there. We'll chop your head off. We'll throw you in jail. We'll, you know, whatever. We, we prosecuted them. Now it's like, we'll we'll prosecute the cops if they, God forbid, go after sacred marijuana. So it's open. The stigma is off. The criminalization is off, so it's out in the open. So guess what? These dudes have now all gotten involved. So now, whereas before it was maybe Americans doing it, and most of it was coming from Mexico, now it's the Mexican cartels not just owning the Mexican cultivation, but owning it on our soil. And then the violence. So now think about how severe of a problem that is that nobody's talking about. What is the story of Mexico? Well. You're probably thinking, boy, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure glad we, we're not living in Mexico, that America is not like Mexico. I mean, it's worse than Afghanistan, the beheadings, the violence. So it, it grew up around the drug trade and the, and the narco culture. We're bringing not just the traffickers here. I mean, that's old news. We are bringing the growers here. We have an American cop now dead from that. This is going to be an increasing problem. And I'm sure it's happened more often. We just didn't know. We wouldn't have even known if this would have been like in a part of California where you have a leftist, you know, leftist the uh, police chief or sheriff. We might ne- never have known about this. It was the sheriff that blew the lid off. But that's the important point people are missing. If you bring in Mexico's narco culture, you can't tell me, oh, I'm going to legalize drugs so it will take care of the problem. No, you brought it in. And then they're bringing in their people. So one of these guys, I forget if it was Morales or Vasquez. I'm getting a full statement from ICE today. One of them came in six months ago. So all these beautiful people coming in that the media reports on, oh, we need to pay for their mental health care now as, as, as well as their physical health care. Do you know how many of them are committing murder and mayhem? It never gets back to the border. It's never traced back. But then, but then there's the other issue. Okay, they get in the country because we don't have good policies at the border. That's one thing. But then there's the sanctuary thing. I think the sheriff put it perfectly at yesterday's press conference. He said, 
if you allow criminally minded illegal aliens to infiltrate our communities with more protections than our average citizens, they will take advantage of that and victimize our communities. And that's what it is. See, if we actually didn't allow them to be detected, if we made sure that you cannot be in this country undetected. And one, one of the things I just love here is that, you know, all of these, all of these people, all of these people that uh, are, are, are pushing, you know, the nanny state and, you know, Big Brother monitoring everything you and I do. Look, let's face it. Everything you and I do is monitored. Government, they are all seeing, all doing. Somehow, when it comes to illegal immigrants, I don't know where they are. I, I can't do anything. The states won't allow us a sanctuary. Give me a break. I mean, this is something the 9-11 Staff Commission said. Remember how I said they said if if you don't let them in the country, they can't do you harm. But there was a second part of that statement. I don't have the quote in front of me now where they say and also their ability to operate undetected. They were focusing more on Islamic terrorism, but it's the same thing with the cartels and the criminal aliens and the drug traffickers and the, and the transnational gangs. If we enforced our laws, <laughs> driver's licenses and, and identity theft, and they couldn't live here undetected for more than a few months without getting caught. That's the reality. We could solve so much crime and drugs and gangs in America if we just enforced our immigration laws. It's obvious. Everyone knows that. And all the trickle-down effects of having the drugs, the homeless problem, which is just spiking as a result of all the people that are hooked on these drugs now. Why does no one in Congress even know the name Brian Ishmael? No action being taken. No single vote from Ditch McConnell on, on sanctuaries. And you know what's funny? The guy has no time to vote on anything. Suddenly, Chad Wolf is nominated as this undersecretary so he could then slide into the acting secretary position. So he's being confirmed, which means this is for the long haul, not just temporary. Chad Wolf, this Hillary liberal H-1B lobbyist is going to be DHS secretary in the third year of the Trump administration. I mean, that's, that's just un unforgivable. McConnell is going to confirm him within a week. Everyone's like, Daniel, we have no choice. We don't have options for acting secretary. So confirm a real secretary through the Senate. Now that McConnell has shown us he can do it within a week, nominate Texas DPS director um, Stephen McGraw. Nominate CBP commissioner um, Mark Morgan. If you don't want Cuccinelli because the rhinos won't support him, those are two names I have for you. They're confirmable. And meanwhile, we hear Trump might attack Jeff Sessions. I mean, hey, Mr. Trump, you're the never Trumper. You're against your own agenda. You're the one appointed. I mean, like, I'm supposed to get excited that, oh, because, you know, Jeff Sessions, who is literally the most decent human being who has ever entered politics, who is the best person on on social issues. He's the only one who still doesn't subscribe to the homosexual agenda, like all these hip young Tea Party conservatarians. You know, but certainly crime and immigration. I'm supposed to get excited. Oh, he f fell down on the Mueller thing when Trump is 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 not just retaining, but nominating new Hillary people to head DHS. But that's what it is. There is so much going on 
related to the cartels. Whenever we have Jason Jones on the show, this is what he always talks about, that the uniform crime reporting, the statistics don't capture how much crime is really being driven by, by the cartels, by, and which, a.k.a. illegal immigration. Not enforcing our, our, our immigration laws. And the thing is, here's the sad thing. We know a lot of this, you know, is in our big cities. So you look at the world's problems that we brought in. They're endemic of New York, L.A., Chicago. That's obvious. We know that. But there's something more insidious going on. These people are now colonizing our nicest rural areas in this country. So not only, you know, is Chicago becoming like Sonora and Chihuahua and Sinaloa, you know, gang wars and turf wars and drug wars. We're having this in our best areas. This took place in a rural area of California. And the single biggest impetus is the ag lobby. Big business. I say this all the time. Even if you would think that on net you would benefit from cheap labor. But if you take your best rural areas and you start constructing meatpacking plants built upon cartel, gang, illegal alien labor, they might work hard, some of them during the day. But guess what? Now they're in your areas. Now your rural areas are full of drugs. They're full of gangs. They're full of DUIs. They're full of criminals. That's what's happening here. Let me give you two examples of that. Our friends at uh, illegalaliencrimereport.com. I don't know who runs that site, but this guy, Dave Gibson, wrote an article. Illegal aliens make up nearly 40% of Virginia County's most wanted list. Okay, now, obviously, 40%, it's a little... I don't want to say misleading. It's three out of eight. I mean, it's a tiny county. There's eight most wanted, but three of them are illegal. But that's a big deal. We're not talking here about um, Fairfax County, like that we know. Yeah, it's overrun with Salvadorans and MS-13. But you're like, all right, you know, Northern Virginia is screwed up. That's lost. I'm going to retreat to, um, you know, I, I have a dream of building building a home. Um, if I ever if I ever make it in this business, which I won't because I don't, you know, toot the the horn of, of the establishment and Fox News. But if I ever got money, I'd love to build a home, you know, away from Baltimore and just, you know, spend half my time there. You know, whether it's in Shenandoah or some of the, some of the Blue Ridge Appalachian Mountains here. Um, now, this is not in the mountains. It's on the eastern side of the state, but it's nice rural um, country in the peninsula. Acoma County is one of only two on Virginia's eastern shore. The somewhat isolated community is located on the southern edge of the peninsula and dotted with towns with quaint names such as Captain's Cove and Modest Town that still bear a strong resemblance to Andy Griffith's Mayberry. Kind of like, you know, Norman Rockwell's America. While the closest border crossing is 1,800 miles away, and and... And this Gibson guy did a good job of framing it because this is what I usually do um, to demonstrate how every American city, and I don't mean like L.A. and Chicago, that's obvious, but almost every county now is, is a border county. 
While the closest border crossing is 1,800 miles away from the tiny rural county, illegal aliens wanted for violent crimes comprise 37.5% of the fugitives wanted by the Okomic County Sheriff's Office. According to 2010 census numbers, Okomic County has a population of roughly 33,000 spread out over 1,310 miles. Um, the population now dropped to 32,000. However, the shore, as locals call it, is no longer just home to locals, but has become a haven for a large number of illegal aliens. Acoma County is dominated by two industries, agriculture and commercial fishing. Of course, American workers in both of these industries have been nearly entirely replaced by illegal aliens, mostly from Mexico and Central America. And as always is the case, these so-called willing workers from south of the border bring with them a strong criminal element. You bring in the world, you bring in the world's problems. You bring in Mexico and Central America, you bring in Mexico and Central America's problems. What are their problems? Gangs, sexual assaults, drunk driving, drug trafficking. That simple. And he quotes the names Luis Alberto Vasquez Suzanun, Juarez Dolmen Barrios, and Jose Zuniga, whatever. So again, I mean, just to be clear, it's it's three out of the um, three out of the eight. So I I don't want anyone to think I'm saying forty percent like you know a hundred people. We're talking about three people, but but again, that that's a new problem. Like you wouldn't have seen that in the past. That is creeping in very much into the most rural counties. And what are they wanted for? One on rape, one on attempted robbery, one on aggravated sexual battery. Talks about DUIs being all too common in Acoma County. In fact, drunk driving by legal aliens poses so much of a threat in that part of the state that in 2005, the left-leaning Virginia Pilot newspaper ran an in-depth article on the subject entitled simply, Hispanic laborers driving unregistered vehicles have caused scores of Eastern Shore traffic deaths. These are, again, you would never think about it. Oh, cheap labor, meatpacking plants. Yeah, you might see dollar signs. I see bodies mutilated in crushed cars from drunk driving illegal aliens. And he quotes from this article, a review of state police auto accidents reports for 2002 through 2004 on the Eastern Shore revealed that of the 179 accidents involving Hispanic laborers, Three-fourths of the drivers had no auto insurance, more than four times the national rate of uninsured motorists. Nearly all the vehicles driven by migrants and other laborers were registered to other drivers. The number of injuries per accident was about 50% higher than the statewide average. There, there, there's some loser schmuck at the Cato Institute that was recently saying there's no evidence illegals commit a higher rate of drunk driving. <laughs> Folks, it is like... It is an insane level that they commit. But again, we don't, there's no uniform documentation of this, and that's the problem. And then he just ends off the article. It should be noted that as wages have been driven down by these illegal aliens, both of the Eastern Shore's two counties, Okomic and Northampton, have become the two poorest counties in the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. There you have it. I mean, this is what we're doing here. This is what we're doing. So that's that. The meat packing plants are bringing in crime. 
sexual predators, drunk drivers, most wanted people. Drugs are obvious. We talked about that. Marijuana growing sites. You know, imagine, you know, picture from my end, and I know a lot of you could kind of commiserate with me, just because of various reasons and community and family, I live in Baltimore County right near Baltimore City. Not exactly the best place to live. And, you know, many of us would dream of kind of moving away, getting away. Uh, An article just came out in the Baltimore Sun. There's a 52% increase in murder in my county over last year. Again, all these people saying, oh, crime's not going up. It's not going up uniformly in every place, but it's going up in a lot of places after going down for 25 years. When you bend such an, such an enduring trajectory like that, there's a problem there. And I think we've discovered the problem. But anyway, anyway, you think you're, 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 you're going to get away from this. But picture, you know, going to some rural area, like, wow, whew, phew, I'm not going to have the gangs. I'm not going to have the knockout, you know, walk in the streets and these roving juvenile youths you know, attack you, the carjackings, which we have tons of them in my neighborhood now. I mean, it's, it's awful, just completely awful what's going on here. But you could stumble upon a cartel growing site now. You could stumble upon illegal drunk drivers killing you on the roads or illegal pedestrians roving the streets on drugs or peddling drugs or doing other bad stuff because he's brought in for some cheap labor by uh, Republican and Democrat donors. So where else do we see this? The transformation of rural America. Minnesota, this is from Breitbart, Minnesota town hikes taxes to deal with mass immigration to overwhelming local schools. We pointed this out about Worthington, uh, Minnesota, and they note that they've just voted last Tuesday night um, to spend an additional $34 million to expand local school districts because their enrollment has ballooned because of the mass influx of unchecked migration. Why? Because they have meatpacking plants there. Who is the only one who has been a voice on this? Jeff Sessions. Some of you have asked my opinion on Alabama, so I'm going to give you my opinion. I'm not going to get into Mueller and his recusal, but I am just going to say for a minute, let's say you are the the, the most bearish on his tenure as attorney general, as it relates to that issue. The other issues he was phenomenal on, crime, um, the homosexual agenda, and certainly immigration. But let's say you you think he did a horrible job with Mueller. You would be stupid to oppose him running for Senate. Because that, first of all, it's over. I will just tell you, and, and look, if this means some of these guys, and you probably know who I'm talking about, won't come on this show anymore, I don't care, but I'll say it anyway. For the first time in my career, I do not have a single senator, not one, to work with on issues. None of them are consistently driving a narrative throughout this entire crime, drug, gang, immigration crisis on any of this. Sessions did that, and he was really ramping up his case before he became attorney general. Again, I think we all agree for everyone and for all reasons, it was tragic that he wound up leaving. It would have been best for everyone if he just would have stayed in the Senate. But certainly we should all admit it's a win-win. I mean, he will guarantee that Doug Jones loses if they pick up a Senate seat. 
Mitch McConnell and Cornyn and all the these guys are have been very cool to him for good reason. And it's not because they're such zealous Trump supporters. That's not why. It's because he's good on our issues. You'd be stupid not to support him. Even if you hold a grudge from, you know, his time, his time, his time there. We need his voice. He talks about the social transformation. He talks about the masters of the universe, these agricultural interests transforming our society. He is the only one of our generation that has been an effective voice on this. Now, look, personally, I'm close with him. He has written me personal handwritten letters thanking me for my work on crime. And when I don't have it in front of me, maybe I'll get it next show. I could show it to you. you. You see a man who genuinely thinks about our security. There is, you might think he was weak on that, but he is genuinely one of the nicest human beings. There is no politics to him. He's all policy. He just cares about the future of our country. This is stuff we can't recover from. Where do we where do we run from to if our cities become like Mexico, become like El Salvador, become like Pakistan, become like Somalia? Well, I guess we have to run to our rural counties. Well, where do we where, where, where do we go on to if those counties become overrun as well? Because that's happening. That's where it is. That's where we're at. I just wanted to note one other thing now that we're on this um, this beat, just to get back to the El Dorado case, the drug trafficking, why we have so much drugs. Obviously, a lot of it is illegal immigration. The other half is jailbreak. I just wanted to mention this article. It's very important. So what happens when you start being weak on a crime? As we noted, so many drug traffickers are doing other bad stuff. So many people who are doing other bad stuff are into drugs. So, I mean, Reagan said this emphatically in the 80s. He understood that that was the honeypot of all of this. And whether you're a hawk or a dove on drugs doesn't matter at this point, even if you love drugs. But if you get them, that's the ultimate broken windows policing. You get the bad guys off the streets. It's no surprise how coinciding with the last number of years of just basically being weak on this, weak on crime, weak on drugs in particular, is why you have increased crime and increased drugs. This from Cincinnati Inquirer, large amount of fentanyl, digital scales found during raid at Millennium Hotel. It's from November 5th. Okay. And um, now this guy's not an illegal alien that they arrested. This is not that sort of case, but this is this is jailbreak. Very much a jailbreak case. So um, during a raid Saturday at downtown's Millennium Hotel, police found more than 360 grams of fentanyl in a room. That, that could kill thousands of people. They arrested 26-year-old uh, Kieran Hicks, an East, uh, East Price Hill man who was out on bond in another drug trafficking case record show. Um... Where are we here? He was out on bond. It doesn't take a genius 
to recognize that if you downgrade drug crimes, if you don't prosecute them, if you abolish bail, you reduce sentencing, you're going to have a hell of a lot of drugs on the streets. And then you mix that with the criminal aliens in the sanctuary cities. So at a primary level, they get in through the border because we don't do what we should be doing at the border. Their networks are able to fester and operate with impunity in our communities because of sanctuaries, because we don't enforce the, the, the interior immigration laws. We don't enforce identity theft laws. And then, yes, you don't only have illegal alien drug traffickers at a secondary level than Americans get involved. Now they have so many more drugs to work with because of illegal immigration. But now because of jailbreak, there's so many more bad dudes, American and foreign national, to peddle them. Um, there's an opioid crisis. I mean, and meanwhile, so much of this is not even, it's all illicit. It has nothing to do with prescription opioids. It's, it's uh, illicit opioids. But, you know, in 19 states, meth is now the leading cause of death, which is a psychostimulant. And by the way, remember... One of the things that uh, attorney Lelling said in our show a couple days ago, I don't know if you caught this, very important, that there's an element that's worse about meth than the other stuff. Methamphetamine, because that stuff makes them hyper. It makes them out of control. It's giving police a huge problem. It's really spawning violence. And this is the thing. I'm sick of these libertarians that are like, like with the, with the legalizing drug drug things, I told people I I'm going to surprise you. I'll agree to legalize drugs on the following conditions: Number one, don't just legalize marijuana, but you got to legalize it all because if you want to put the cartels out of business, you got to legalize it all. But as we noted, that wouldn't because they'll just come here and grow it. So you got to legalize it all. Number two, enforce every immigration law, militarize the border, and then have a systematic approach to identifying every illegal alien and throwing them the hell out of this country. Okay, that's number two. Number three, stop this jailbreak business. You want to take drugs? Great. So, libertarianism is two directions. The problem is the libertarian progressives are only pushing the progressive side of it. Right? They, they want to stop law enforcement on drugs, but they're not stopping the nanny state part of it. So their whole thing is, it's my life, do what I want. Fine. But the minute you get belligerent, we will shoot to kill. But these same people are like, the, the police are getting uh, too militarized. Police tactics. No. Hey, you want to take your meth? Fine. You get out there and be violent, you'll be dead. We will shoot you. Okay? And no jailbreak either. And then finally... Stop the subsidization of the drug treatment. See, it's funny. Everyone gets all libertarian when it comes to beating up on law enforcement because they have no lobby. That's an easy target. But somehow no one's joining with me in opposing all these opioid bills that fund these parasitic NGOs, you know, the treatments. See, here's the libertarian view the way I understand it. Let the market fail. Let the market clean itself up. Let the people take the poison, let them die, and then no one else will want to do it, and it'll put the cartels out of business. The problem is Narcan. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing to bring people back, al al back alive, 
but we have so much treatments that we basically revive the people, we treat them, but they're not cured, but they're not dead. It's the worst of all. They're around in perpetuity to continue taking the drugs, servicing the drug trafficking, fueling the crime, fueling the uh, lining the pockets of the cartels, but they're not dead, and we pay for it. Right, so they're alive, but they're continuously addicted. So, you want to be libertarian? You got to be all, you know, fully libertarian. One day, I'm going to write a book on how you can't half-ass libertarianism. There's a whole, I have a whole bunch of examples of that, by the way. That's something that really bothers me. If you want to legalize drugs, do it like a man. Don't do it like a coward. Because what we're getting now is the worst of all worlds. It's the worst proliferation of drugs, the worst social and criminal effects of it. It doesn't wash itself out. And the worst empowerment of the cartels because of our crime, social, fiscal, and immigration policies all mixed. We have one big living hell that we are essentially importing all the problems of other countries. Now, I didn't get a chance on this theme of uh, importing the world's problems, um, the Asia Times has a great article on out how China infiltrates colleges across the globe. I warned about this. This is a uh, uh, an English parliamentarian uh, report that just came out. How in Great Britain they're having problems that China is using um, their di- diaspora of foreign students to control universities, control the culture, and then engage in espionage. They have 100,000 Chinese foreign students in Great Britain. We have 360,000 in our country. Again, you bring in China, you bring in Chinese espionage. I don't have time to read this article. I'll link to it in show notes. We might write about this next week at you know uh, Conservative Review, our written content. But it's about this Chinese Confucius Institute, which is basically a front for the Chicoms to subvert our culture. Again, this is not to say every Chinese student or immigrant, there's some... Chinese immigrants that have been very productive, good people. But when you bring them in in such large numbers without any vetting, there was one university professor, yes, Marshall um, Salins of University of Chicago is quoted as calling it academic malware. That's a, that's a really good term. Um, it's an article he wrote, or it's a, really a book he wrote Confucius Institute's academic malware. Google that. You could look that up. Um, basically, how they are um, just screwing us completely. It's like a Trojan whore. It's malware. I mean, just, it, it's actually a, a really smart way of putting it. I, I wish I would have thought of that on my own. But to bring this discussion full circle, in many respects, it's not just China, it's not just espionage and their subversion, but it's the broader cultural, fiscal, and criminal subversion of our entire country through mass third world migration across the board. In every county of this country, it is one big national malware, international malware, immigration malware that we're bringing into this country. You bring in the world you get the world's problems, especially in the era we are living with, where the way bad people and bad organizations and cartels and bad country leaderships attack you 
is through asymmetrical warfare in the 21st century, their most powerful, potent weapon is the conduit that they have in your own country. And that is their diaspora. That's what it is. China, you know, we're all worried about their military, but they still can't rival us. Maybe one day they will at this pace. Where they really affect us, where Mexico, El Salvador, Pakistan, Somalia is through mass migration. That is the issue of our time mixed together with the other issues of crime and drugs and gangs. Ask yourself this. Do you know of a greater champion than Jeff Sessions? Because I certainly don't. Look, if you disagree, send me an email at dharowitz at blazemedia.com. Like our videos at CR's YouTube page and conservativereview.com is your one and only independent conservative written content site that actually has substance that matters to the future of this country. Have a terrific weekend. Next week, Monday, same time, same place, we will continue our truth-telling crusade all over again for another fun week here at CRN Blaze.